Well, good morning again. I invite you to turn, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. We'll come to read the text here in a little bit. Um, Luke chapter 10, we're going to read 38 to 42. It's a very familiar account that we're going to be looking at today. But I'm curious, how many, how many people here have watched Fiddler on the Roof? The musical Fiddler on the Roof. I'm not a big, big musical fan, but I enjoy Fiddler on the Roof. And I want to just to introduce the sermon, I want to recount um, just a piece of that, piece of that, um, that musical. Tevier, I think that's how you pronounce his name, the husband, um, and you know how the story goes, his daughters find their true love and they're just filled with all this joy and happiness and they go off and get married and I think this begins to, um, starting, he sees this in his daughters, this, this unbridled joy in this love. And it begins to bring some questions into his mind. And you remember the part of the story where Tevier asks his wife, do you love me? And it's, of course, this is all song. And some of you are singing this song in your minds already. I can see it. He asks his wife, do you love me? And she responds, with this, for 25 years I've washed your clothes, I've cooked your meals, I've cleaned your house, given you children, milked the cow. After 25 years, why talk about love now? That's part of it. And then he comes back and asks the question, yeah, but do you love me? He keeps coming back to that question. And she keeps giving all these descriptions about why and how she has loved him for these 25 years. And I want, I want you to think this morning, think with me, if Jesus were to come and ask you that question, do you love me, what would your response be? How would you answer that question? Would you respond, perhaps as Tevye's wife did, with this whole long list of things that you've done? Look, I taught Sunday school, we took meals to the homeless shelter, we put money in the offering, I, I helped this homeless person I did, mentored this other young, young believer, all these things that we've done. And Jesus would come back and ask you the question, but do you love me? But do you love me? You see, I believe that love, when it is healthy, when love is healthy, then the work of love is driven by the delight of love. You see, in our marriages it happens, but it also happens in our relationships with God where we get so caught up, we, we, we begin with this, just this excitement and passion. But after time, think if you've been married, we've been married for 21 years. And unless you are intentionally investing and nurturing in your relationship, those you've been married X number of years, you can kind of get wrapped up in the routine of everything and just doing all these things for each other, but you forget how to truly love one another. Luke chapter 10, 38 to 42. Now, when, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. A woman named Martha welcomed him into her home, and she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much doing. And she went up to him and said, Lord, 
Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. So I've, I've, I've been thinking about this passage for, I don't know, six, eight weeks already. It's just been kind of stuck, stuck in the back of my mind. Um, there's so many things that we could, we could pull from here. One of the things, or some of the things that we hear about this portion sometimes of Scripture, about this story, is, is to be like Mary, but don't be like Martha. Mary is often portrayed as the spiritual one. Martha is maybe a self-centered, work-oriented, focused only on her performance, and so you don't want to be like her. But here's what I want you to think about. At the end of the day, this, this struck me as I studied this, is I believe Mary and Martha were both pursuing and desiring the exact same thing. And hopefully I can show you that as we go on. You see, I don't think we need to make a, make a choice to be like, either we be like Mary and we sit at Jesus' feet, and that's what we do, or we be like Martha and we just serve. I don't think you can separate the two. Our lives are, are so interwoven, we're so interconnected, we don't live in these little compartments. This, this is when we worship, this is when I work, this is when I do family, this is when I do my hobbies. It's all interconnected. It's all interconnected. And I don't think, I think we make a mistake when we try to separate Mary and Martha because, like I said, I think they were both desiring the same thing. Yes, Martha became distracted. That's the word that's used. And we'll look at that. Um, so to start with, I want us to simply ask the question, how do we, beco- how do we avoid becoming distracted by good? Do you ever get distracted by doing good things? I think we do. I think we can be, our, our good things can keep us from what's best. And perhaps that is part of what's part of the lesson here with Mary and Martha. Um, so let, let me just, I just want to walk through the story a little bit and look at a couple of things in Martha's life and then a couple of things in Mary's life. And then I just want to bring in some really practical applications at the end. First of all, who is Martha? Martha, this is the first time we recount or that Martha comes up in Scripture, but she's the responsible one. She's the one who is in charge of this household. If you read the text carefully, it says that Jesus and his, his disciples came to her house. So, for whatever reason, you have Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Lazarus is not mentioned in this part of it. But Mary, this is her house. She's in charge of this home. So she's the responsible one. She's the one who takes care of everything um, and makes so everything happens. And she is the one who goes out and she welcomes Jesus into her home. She took the initiative in inviting Jesus into her home. And I want you to think about how big of a deal that really was. Jesus and his disciples are traveling So it's Jesus and probably his 12 disciples and a good chance there's a big number of people with them. 
The first part of Luke chapter 10 is where Jesus sends out the 72, and they come back and report to Jesus. Perhaps some of them are still traveling with Jesus. But it's, this is a big deal. First of all, it's a big crowd that suddenly shows up at your door. And so you want to be a good host, all right? A good hostess, and that's what her desire is. She wants that. But it is also a big deal to have a rabbi come into your home. You're not just going to go out and serve up just some leftovers that you pull out of the fridge. You're going to be doing your best. You're going to be serving the best that you have. And so Martha Martha is responsible. I mean, it's such a good thing. We can learn so much from how Martha serves here. Just a, a side note. If you read in John chapter 11 and John 12, Mary and Martha come up, show up again in both of those accounts with Lazarus. Two different occasions, but in each occasion, Mary's doing exactly what she's doing here, and Martha is doing exactly what she's doing here. So I don't, it's not, there's, again, it's not an either or, it's you, you, we need to be doing both. So you, Mary, Martha has a big crowd of people invited into her home, and she is being a good hostess, and she is working diligently, she's working hard in the kitchen, doing all this prep work, and Mary is sitting out at Jesus' feet. Now, seriously, can we just be real and honest? If I'm Martha, I'm going to be a little steamed at my sister. I'm working so hard to make so this, everything is perfect, and there she is, sitting and not helping one little bit. Do you, can you understand why Martha's upset? I can. I hope I'm not the only one. I, I get why she's upset. And here's the other thing. What Martha is doing is good. It's not like she's out here just blowing it, being a bad person, doing something terribly wrong. Like I said, I believe her desires and her intentions were good. I think they were exactly the same as what Martha's or Mary's were. Didn't Jesus himself say, I have come to serve, not to be served? So Martha's serving. We're called all throughout Scripture. Jesus gives us the greatest example of being a servant, of serving others, and we're called to serve others. So what's, so what's the issue here? Verse, 30, uh, verse 40 says, Martha was distracted. And I want us, want us to sit on that word distracted for a little bit. Because distraction in our world, in my world, is very, very real. We, can be, we have so many things clamoring for our attention, and distraction is really, really a big deal. We can be, like I said, we can be distracted with bad things. We can be distracted with our phones, with all t- our technology, with our hobbies. We can be distracted with good things when they keep us from the best. So what was Martha actually distracted from? We know what she was distracted with. This whole idea of serving and and giving the best that she had to Jesus is called a distraction for her. I had to think of this because I'm still wedding mode, still in my head. Um, But I had to think, can you imagine take your wedding, for sure you, you as, as grooms, you, you as husbands, at your wedding, 
if, let me just use Jen and Toby because that's in, in my head here. So if at Jen and Toby's wedding, what if Jenna is spending all her time during the wedding, the reception, the celebration is going on, and all she can focus on, all she is doing is worrying about and running around and trying to make so all the little details are taken care of. And trust me, I found out there are lots of little details. Lots and lots of little details. And in all of that, Toby is completely ignored. Is that how in our serving, do we ever do that to Jesus? Do we ever, in all our doing and getting all our details right, do we miss Jesus? So I think that she has simply missed the biggest thing because she is distraction. It's like you're preparing all these details with a meal and then you completely forget the main course. You've just totally, totally missed the most important part of it. Perhaps we could say that Martha has been distracted from her first love. Recently in our Sunday school, we went through um, the churches in Revelations. And in F- the church in Ephesus, Jesus said, he tells them in the first part of his talking to the church, he tells them about the things that they have done well and are doing well. And he says, but this is what I have you against you. You have left your first love. And suddenly the doing has become a distraction for the church at Ephesus. But perhaps the greatest distraction Martha faced was the distraction from what her heart was really longing for. Think about that a little bit. Notice the first words that Martha speaks to Jesus, and I was this, this really caught me as I, as I read this. In verse 40, she comes up to Jesus, and by the way, I don't, why in the world doesn't she go to, Mar- to Mary and tell Mary, listen, just get over. Maybe she had tried it and it didn't listen, but she goes to Jesus, and she wants Jesus to tell Mar- Mary what to do. But the first thing that she says to Jesus is, Lord, do you not care? Do you hear a cry in her heart? Do you hear that she, a longing for her? I think if we listen to the cry, it is not of her heart. It is not simply for all this work to get done, for all this serving to be completed and done well. I think the cry for her heart, from her heart, and the reason she is so passionate and so wrapped up and distracted in her serving is she wants recognition perhaps, but I think she wants affirmation from Jesus for what she is doing. She's longing for affirmation. She wants Jesus to see her and to notice her. Who of us does not long to be noticed and to be seen by Jesus? We all have that desire deep in our heart, and perhaps sometimes Maybe, maybe Martha, part of her issue was also if she were to stop and to sit at Jesus' feet, maybe there's a fear of what would be revealed in about what's going on in her, in her own heart. But notice, we're going to leave Martha for a little bit now, but notice how Jesus responds to her. He does not condemn her for doing good because she is doing good. 
He doesn't respond to her with condemnation, but I believe he responds to her with love and an invitation to discover something better. So I believe Jesus wants to take Martha, and I believe he wants to take us on a journey from a place where we're distracted to a place where we discover something that is much, much better. He tells her, he tells Martha, Jesus does in verse 41, he says, Martha, Martha. And anytime Jesus uses, or anyone in Scripture, when the, a name is used twice like that, it is a term of endearment. And so you hear the love of Jesus coming through as he gently, if you would, gently tries to steer Martha and invite her into something better. It says, my dear Martha, what you have been looking for, you won't find in what you're doing. But Mary has discovered it. And Jesus is trying to steer Martha to the discovery. So what is the discovery? What has Mary discovered while she sits at the feet of Jesus? There's a couple of things. Verse 42 kind of brings it out the, the best. This is still Jesus talking. He, she's, he, Jesus says, one thing is the most important. Does that sound like something Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Martha is distracted with many, 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 many things. And Jesus comes back and he says, I want you to, to discover or rediscover in some cases the one thing, the one thing that is the most important. And this is something I hopefully, I don't know, we'll see. I'd like to maybe dig into this a little bit more in a, in a message in the future. Mary's posture, where, where she is, and like I said, in every account, there's three occasions where Mary encounters Jesus, and in each occasion, she's at the feet of Jesus. It is the posture of a disciple, one who is longing to learn. And Jesus says, there she has found the good for portion. Mary discovers what her heart has longed for because she made a choice. It says in verse 42 again, Mary has chosen the good portion. So, if we are going to discover that one thing, that means we have to make some choices. It's not just going to fall on our lap. Sometimes we need to make some really, really hard choices. But Mary has discovered in this place, sitting at the feet of, the, at the feet of Jesus, here's what I believe Mary has discovered. She has discovered the place of belonging, of wholeness, and a place of deep transformation. And I think that's exactly what Martha was looking for. But she was doing it with trying to serve, trying to... But she was so distracted by all the little details that she missed what was going on in her own heart. So how does this apply to you and me? We live in a culture, our American culture... That tells us that we can make our own way. We can work hard. We can succeed. We should build bigger. We should dream bigger. And those are all good things. There's nothing wrong with those. I'm all for it. I love it. 
And in our subculture, our culture right here in Holmes County, what most of us have grown up in, we have a tremendous work ethic. I am so grateful for a work ethic. It's, it, it's, it saddens me when I see some of that work ethic becoming lost. But this is just another side note. I heard someone recently say, perhaps there's a generation coming that is losing a work ethic. Perhaps it is because all they've seen us do is work. We've done nothing but work. And they're saying, I don't want that. I don't know. Some, something to think about. Um, but the work ethic that we have is great. I think it's a gift that we all have. I'm grateful. But I believe it also carries with it some negative side effects. Or it sure can. It, it can and it does in my life. I've seen it and I still see it in myself. Could it be that in our focus on building and growing and pursuing something bigger and better, that we have allowed ourselves to be distracted from what we need the most, or perhaps even being intentionally distracting ourselves from encountering Jesus on a very, very personal, deep level? You see, I think we can become, and maybe we have become addicted to doing Doing is a good thing. Don't hear me wrong. But we, like Martha, can become so distracted from what is really going on in our hearts and it becomes a means of avoiding Jesus altogether. Jesus came to transform your heart, not just to modify your behavior. Behaviors matter, but Jesus didn't come just to, tra- to he came to transform us on a heart level. The message here today is not sit and do nothing. The message is not stop serving, stop doing things for Jesus. That is not the message, because that is what we see Jesus doing over and over and over again, and what we see Martha doing in in John chapter twelve. It simply says this about Martha. It says. They were again at Martha and Mary's house. And Martha just says, Martha served. But I believe she was doing it from a completely different place. Because somewhere along the line, she, got, she had discovered the greatest thing. It is, the message today is to intentionally to learn to sit at Jesus' feet so that our doing doesn't come a di- distraction and disconnected from our love for Jesus. Like I said, our work ethic, which I'm so grateful for, but some of those side effects, how many of you struggle to just shut it down? Do you ever do that? Here's, here's something that, that, that goes through, through my mind sometimes. Um, when I'm resting, I feel guilty that I'm neglecting my work. And when I'm working all the time, I feel guilty that I'm not taking more time to rest. And do you just feel this constant tugging? Or when I'm working on the farm, I'm constantly thinking about what I should be doing at the church. When I'm at the church, I'm constantly thinking about what I should be doing on the farm. And then what about family? What about rest? And it's just this constant do-do-do-do-do-do-do. And somewhere along the line, we need to learn how to stop. I'm, uh, this, is, this is for me. 
I'm telling this to myself. Dr. Caroline Leaf says this, it takes courage to say yes to rest and play in a culture where exhaustion is seen as a status symbol. Perhaps that is what Mary was wrapped up in. Or Martha, I'm sorry. So I think Martha, the, the, the lesson that I'm learning from this is Martha in her doing, her doing was good, but it was not flowing out of the sitting at Jesus' feet. Our doing flows out of our being with Jesus. It has to be that way. When it's not, we become just like Martha. And here's, these are some, some things that I begin to notice in my own life when, when I become so caught up in doing things and getting the work done, getting all the stuff done. These are some things that I notice in my own heart. And it's like these things that, okay, whoa, something's not right. And these will look different for you, but this perhaps can help you start thinking about it. And I see Martha doing this. We start telling God what he should be doing. Do you ever catch yourself in your pray, prayers or praying, almost advising God on what he should be doing? Martha comes to Jesus and he tells Jesus what he should be telling. He shouldn't be okay with her just sitting here. He, he, he begins telling, he wants Jesus, or sh- we want Jesus to tell Jesus what he should be doing. And then a little bit closer to home yet for me is suddenly I begin to notice what everyone else is not doing. When I'm serving with the wrong intent, not out of just the fullness of being with Jesus, I begin to see what everyone else is not doing and it begins to bug me. Do you run into that? I feel frustrated sometimes when no one seems to notice my contribution. That's something that Martha was longing for. I think that's something we all, we all long for affirmation. But when, when our hearts aren't centered on Jesus, then we begin to get frustrated because the people aren't noticing what I'm doing. And then I just want to finish that with this something that I've been struck with and convicted on. When serving expects something in return, it ceases to be serving. So the motive behind our serving is, is so huge. But here's the thing, here, and here's what I wrestle with. We all have such limited resources and time, right? Everyone, if we're all just like crunched for time, it seems. And that simply means that we have to make choices. Mary made a choice. She distinctly and intentionally chose to sit at Jesus' feet. You're not just going to, and I'm not just going to suddenly have time to stop and just me and Jesus, spending time with just me and Jesus. We have to make choices. Those choices can be incredibly difficult. It means that we may have to, and probably will need to say no to some good things, some really good things. But if we're going to, going to, choose and discover the best, then we need to say no to some of the good things. And so my, my challenge to us today, and what I want, us to, want you guys to leave with here today, 
is to simply to contemplate and be honest in your heart is all my doing in, in all my busyness is that flowing from my being with Jesus or am I in my doing and my busyness over here trying to gain the affirmation and the attention and the focus of Jesus because when we get those two things switched around and and we, we, we put so much focus on what we do, how we build, how we make things grow. And probably we spend way too little time talking about what it means to sit at Jesus' feet. Because that is where deep heart transformation will happen for you, and that's where it happens for me. So I think the invitation to us is simply sit at Jesus' feet, and out of that will flow the doing rather than vice versa. So bless you guys as you think about that this week. And as we pray together, um, let's, let's just stand. Stand and we'll have a word of prayer. God, as we, we, just, we stop before you here at the end of this service, we just, we just want to stop for a moment. God, would you show us what our hearts are truly longing for? And I pray, God, as we, as we discover and begin to understand the longings of our hearts, that you would show us the distractions that are going on in our hearts and why we're distracted and with what we're being distracted with. And help us to, to, to discover the joy, the transformation, and the rest that we find when we learn to sit at your feet. Help us to do that today and this week as we contemplate. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>